Okay, today I'm delighted to be joined on the Love Leash podcast by David Walsh Chemist of Ballykilcavan Farm and Brewery. I'm looking at your lovely branded t-shirt. Uh, Absolutely. Oh, you have to go everywhere branded. Like, I mean, I'm just like, every morning I get up and I find, right, which branded t-shirt am I going to wear yeah. today? Because it's the best way, free advertising. <laughs> free advertising and, and you're, you're, you're represented it yourself, like, but... Uh, you're you're a very newsworthy business. We often have publicity around Bellicle Cavan Farm and Brewery. The people who don't know, give us the brief background or the, or the the history to it all because it's something I've heard a couple of times. Yeah, and I find it fascinating every time. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's my family farm, so that's really where it all started. I did a computer science degree. I met my wife over in Scotland, brought her back over here. Um, I did a I worked in IT for about three or four years, and then my dad was retiring from the farm, so we all sat down as a family and we worked out that I'd come back and take over the farm. So complete change of career, 2004, took over the farm. And really the main reason I did that was because it had been in the family since literally the 1630s. Um, he was the 12th generation. I kind of didn't want him to be the 12th and last generation. I wanted to try and keep it alive as much as possible. So I took over 2004, farmed it for about maybe 11 or 12 years. And it was mainly a malting barley farm. It was a tillage farm with some forestry at as well. And it was just a case of working out that I'm not making enough money just out of farming to make this place survive. So we needed to diversify. We came up with a decision to have the brewery there because we grew a lot of malting barley. We have these old buildings out the back of the farmyard that would suit some sort of enterprise and a brewery would fit in there quite nicely. And it was something I was interested in. Like I'd been doing a lot of home brewing, um, more or less because we had the barley there and, and it was something that I was interested in. So that all came together. 2017, we founded the company. We started brewing off-site for about a year. And then in 2018, we opened our own brewery on the farm. Yeah. Did it, was it much of a leap to actually go down that route? Like so, so, so now, and I, and I know that because I'm chatting to you regularly enough. Like you have a large portion of the farm leased out. There's a large portion of the farm in forestry. Yep. And you're only farming a small part of it for the brewery. Yeah, we are. We basically actually have two distinct batches of malting barley now. So we have one batch of brewing barley that comes into our brewery, and then we grow distilling barley for Waterford Distillery as well. So again, we were very lucky. One of the first launches they did was a Ballycle Cabin whiskey, which was just you know 100% barley from our farm. They obviously they they buy the barley from Minch so we sell barley to Minch malt they convert it into malt and then Waterford buys the malt from them but it's it, I still see it as my whiskey like yeah. it's my barley it's a lot of effort yeah. goes into growing the barley they obviously they've distilled it and bottled it and, and matured it yeah. and everything else but um, you know that's that's lovely to have as well 13th generation obviously it's a huge tradition, tradition to be carrying on did was it a Sort of psychologically, was it a big move to sort of go down a brewery brewing route? Like? Yeah, I, it's funny. When I look back on it now, it seems maybe a bit braver than <laughs> I thought it was. At the time, my philosophy was, what we're doing isn't working, so we have to do something different. Now, whether a brewery is the right idea or not, I'll tell you in about five years' time. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll know a bit more by then. But we had to do something different because just farming it wasn't making sense financially for us anymore. Okay. So, and, and you also had the assets of the the, the, the farm building. Yeah, the, yeah, and actually, I would. So, so tell us what you've done on the farm then. Well, what we've done, as you say, we've we've leased out a lot of the farm actually in terms of grassland. So we're now just concentrating on growing. What I, I'd say, we're not growing generic malting barley anymore. We're growing for specific markets. That's either our brewery or Waterford distillery. Um, in terms of the farmyard then, we've converted a lot of the old stone buildings. So we have the big 1780s grain storage now, the brewery. We have the mill building that's just beside that. We've now converted into the visitor centre. We now have toilets. We have a few other facilities in there. And we've done up the rest of the yard. So it looks lovely when you come into it. Now, yeah. most of that is just facade. It's just yeah. the front of it. Um, but eventually we'll get around to, to putting something new into and if anyone has any ideas in terms of businesses that they'd like to come out and, and set up in our place please come and have a yeah. chat to us because we're always interested in doing something new with it so you know now for the last couple of years you've been brewing the Ballykilcavan um beer 
We have, yeah. Craft beer in, yep. in, in on your farm between Stradbally and Atai. Like. Yes. So you must get a great buzz every time you go out and see that. It is, yeah, yeah. It is. It's, it's, and I mean, it's obviously it's on sale locally now. It's now being exported around Europe as well. So you can go down to, you can go to Paris, you can go to Lyon, you can go to Grenoble, you can go to La Rochelle, um, you can go to uh, northern Italy. It's quite quite prominent around there as well. So it's great. Like you walk into a bar in Milan and they have our beer on, you know, made with our barley and our water from the yeah. farm. So it is. It's, it's, you know, it's very satisfying yeah. to see that. And you're employing a, cu- a couple of people. We have, yeah. We have three people in it's kind of uh, two full-time roles as well as myself, so okay. um, two full-time and then two part-time as well. Uh, we have Noel Clancy on the farm, who's been on the farm working there longer than I have. Like, he started there in 1988. He's the fourth generation of his family to be working on the farm. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's you know we're, we're doing a bit in terms of keeping people employed locally. Okay, and in terms of getting your beer to market, like, it's a competitive enough space. It um, is, w- yeah. How do, how do you start that process? It's actually, I mean, I suppose when I started out the business, I was very, probably luckily, very naive in terms of everything. So I thought making the beer was going to be the biggest challenge. And making beer is not as simple as it sounds. You know, there is a bit of work to it. But actually, the distribution of it is the hardest part of the whole thing. So we're a bit, we are limited at the minute. We're basically self-distributing relatively close to the brewery. We also sell to some off-licenses that have um, a license that they can basically put it up on a web shop and people can buy it. So if you're in Donegal, you can go on to a few different websites and buy the beers. But actually, we can't physically distribute to Donegal or even Cork or places like that. So that's why the beer is in a lot of places in Central Europe because it's easier to get a pallet of beer into Milan than it is to get a couple of cases down to Cork. That's okay. just the way the market works. Nice. Um, so we have distributors in, as I say, two two French distributors, an Italian distributor going into the Czech Republic soon as well. And are you dealing directly with these people yourselves? The yeah, we are. Yeah. We are. And because beer is alcohol and then there's excise attached to that as well, it's not quite as straightforward as finding you know, a bar somewhere or an off-license somewhere. We have to deal with a distributor that has a bonded warehouse. So we send it from our brewery to their warehouse and then they distribute it out to the, the customers who are the bars who then obviously um, send it on to the end consumers. Okay. And the thing with craft beer, obviously, as you've told me before, is there has the story of the beer is a, is a, is a huge part of it. I think it's like any small business. I mean, it, it, as you say, it's a very competitive marketplace in terms of, okay, so there's the really big breweries who actually are our main competition. Mm-hmm. And then there's something like 130 brands of different craft beers around okay. around the Republic and then another is 30 th- or 40. 130 craft beers About that. Yeah, yeah, there is. And most, many of them you may never have heard of because they might have a little niche up in North Galway yeah. or somewhere like that and they probably don't, don't work outside that. Yeah. But you have to differentiate yourself and... You know, we'd like to think our beers are very good quality. We've won a few medals in, in, in Ireland. We've won a few medals now in France as well for the beers. But quality alone, I don't think, is enough of a differentiation because a lot of people make really good beers. So we are trying to make our differentiation in terms of the story of the family and of the farm, our ingredient provenance. So it's all our own water. We're using our own barley. We have some hops as well. So we do this one beer that's literally 100% ingredients coming from the farm. Um, and those are really the things that we're trying to sell in terms of differentiation. And they work well in Ireland. They work really well abroad, actually. Like the French in particular, you know, they have this terroir, terroir concept yes. yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of, you know, the fact that the ingredients um, reflect into the taste of the beers. So the fact that we can say, look, the, all these ingredients are coming from our farm um, and then have the sort of backup story. Even the branding is based around yeah. the family crest of the griffin and things like that. So all the cans and bottles you yeah. see will have a griffin on yeah. them. And that's very important. Yeah. Did, did much thought, like, well, obviously, well, that's, that's an insulting question. Not really, not much thought at all. How much thought went into the branding? Because it, 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 it looks... Looks great. It's and again, it's Penhouse up in Rathneska, yeah. so they're seven minutes drive up yeah. the, the road from us, which is great. Like it's great to have all these local companies that we can go to that are they're based very close to us. Um, I think I probably did go up there with a brief and said I want to tie this back to the farm and I want to tie this back to the yeah. story. And you know, here's a suggestion of, of a Griffin because we have the wind va- 
plane that yeah. um, is in the farmyard that has a griffin on it. And they came up with three or four different designs and we picked, actually, I mean, in terms of the bottles, the bottles are exactly the same as they were branded back in 2017. Yeah. We haven't changed that. And even the logos are pretty much the same. Yeah. So it's, I, I think it works well as just a visual thing. And even, you know, tourists coming in, they see it very quickly. Yeah. Um, and then, and firing questions of different uh, styles at you, but coming up with the recipes and the different beers yeah. like I, I, I love I'm not a big drinker but I do like going into Egan's and picking out craft beers yeah. and I often go on the counties that they're from I never had one from Sligo yeah, yeah, before yeah, yeah, yeah. there's the yellow belly one from Wexford that's right that yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 your one, I, I like your Bin Bon Pale Ale yes. that was one of your first ones that it? was our very first one yeah that's yeah. actually to be honest in terms of the range that's the only one I came up with the recipe okay. for um, the second release was the Brickyard Red Ale so they're all yeah. named after fields on the farm right. until we ran out of Field names from the farm. We had yeah. to sort of diversify a little bit, uh, but yeah, the bin bond. Started naming them after like uh, staff members in the Wits, farm. Yeah, a few. So Bambricks, we have Bambricks and Clancy's. We've just released one called Cobbler's Castle. Which, okay. if you're ever up in Oakvale Wood, there's the Cobbler's yeah. Castle up there. We have a field called the Cobbler. Yeah. Um, so it's again, it's mostly trying to tie it back to at the very least the local area. Okay. Um, but yeah, the recipe design is because most of them are just four ingredients: it's water, barley, hops, and yeast. And it's what different hops you put in, what different malts you put in, what different yeasts you use, different fermentation temperatures. Um, that's what is affecting the flavour of the beer. So Joe O'Driscoll's our head brewer now, so he's been there for the last uh, probably two years at this stage. And he's the genius in terms of coming up with the recipe design. So he gets free reign effectively. Yeah. So How many can you, what sort of the, what's capacity in terms of... Um yeah, I mean, capacity, we can brew 120,000 litres of beer a year at the minute. And we're not particularly near that at the minute. Okay. We had to actually double the capacity of the brewery relatively recently. And that's pretty much because of export. So coming up to St. Patrick's Day, the the new expanded brewery was completely full because we were getting a lot of beers ready for export. Um, about two weeks ago, again, coming up to summer, because we have Forest Fest coming up. We have some South Africans coming out to see us in a few weeks' time as well. Um, we had Bloom, Board Beer Bloom up in the Phoenix Park. So there was a sort of series of festivals okay. coming up. So that filled up all the fermenters again. Yeah. So we have to have it for peak capacity. And our next job is just to make sure that they're pretty much full all the time. Okay. What's your favourite of your beers? Oh, that like your no, no, it's favourite child. child. <laughs> it's favourite child. I mean, I, and, and that's the, the stock answer is I don't have a favourite. Yeah. But actually, um, it depends on the time of year. It depends on the mood. Like at the minute, it is ludicrously hot outside. Yeah. Something like probably a light pale ale or an IPA, so something like maybe our Mill House, which is only three and a half percent. Nice fruitiness to it, but not over um, over fruited as well. But then when you get into winter, to be honest, I'm not much of a stout drinker yeah. personally, so I'd probably go for something like the red ale or the brown ale. Okay. So something with a bit more in the winter or in the winter, yeah, winter, awesome, yeah, awesome. But, but in, at this time of year, this you'd time be year it's at pale ale and lager. Okay. Yeah, it is, yeah, and yeah. it's it's you know you can actually tell the season by the colours of the beer you're selling. Okay. So if you're in if you're in pale beers, yeah. like be that a lager or a pale ale or an IPA. It's summertime, and yeah. then once the beers start to get a bit of darker, you know you're into yeah. autumn, winter. Um, how many, how many sort of cans or bottles do you have now? Is We're it, up to eight okay. in the core range, and we do switch them around a little bit. So we are retiring a couple out of the core range and putting a new one in. The Cobbler's Castle is the new one okay. that's going in. What, what is Cobbler's Castle? Is that a it? Is so its its technical term is an Amarillo IPA. Okay. So an IPA is just basically a hoppy beer. It's an India Pale Ale. So it just has more hops in it. Amarillo is the specific hop that is the the dominant flavor. So that's going to give you tropical fruits, citrus fruit flavors. All of that's just coming from essential oils within the hop itself. Okay. Um, so it's again. Again, it's a nice, it's, it's 4.8%. It's not, it's not overly strong. 
Um, but lovely, nice tropical fruit flavours and, and citrus flavours coming from the hops. That's one thing I always have to watch out for when I go, because I think John Egan and Egan's like does an incredible display of craft beers Absolutely. down at the far wall. And Absolutely, just, yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing that differentiates you from the Heineken's, the Guinness, is that the colourful, like the cans all sort of have to jump out as well, and the, the, the designs they do. of them. yeah, yeah. Um, but there's one thing I always have to watch out for is like, oh, that one looks nice. Oh, it's from, oh, I haven't had a Limerick one before. Treaty City is Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Treaty City one is nice now. It is. But, um, like, picking up one and then realising that that's 5.5% or mm. something. There is a thing with craft beers that can, that can be very strong. They can be strong. I mean, the strongest one in our range, core range, is 5.8%. After that, you're you're back down under five, so everything else is sort of around five and a half, sorry, four and a half percent okay. thereabouts, and then we have the millhouse down to about three and a half. But yeah, absolutely, some craft beers, and particularly then if you go abroad, like if you're looking at Belgian beers, you could be into seven, eight, nine percent yeah. very easily, yeah. um, and they tend to serve them in smaller, like they okay. might be three thirty mil. But if you're in Belgium and you're having a few beers, you think you're grand, you stand up and you're not. Yeah, that's yeah, just the next morning you're a bit yeah, well. Actually, that's well. the next problem as well. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, you were up. You were represented least recently at the National Enterprise. Yeah, right? absolutely. A big, a big sort of deal. The, the, you know, it is. At, at, at this level, it, it is. is. I mean, it's effectively the All Ireland for small businesses. So basically, every local enterprise office um, has a, a champion for the year. So we're the least champion for this year. And then we were up in the Mansion House um, only about a week ago for the, for the National Enterprise Awards. Um, now, unfortunately, we didn't come back with anything yeah. from that. But it's you know, it's it's really really hot competition yeah. up there. Some fantastic companies involved. And I have been involved in some of these procedures before and that do, do, with the National Enterprise Awards do you is there is there boot camps is there sort of do, do, do you mix with other businesses and that or what is the you do get to meet them I mean we've done the Small Firms Association we, we won the Sustainability Award with them last year um, and that is literally like there's a two day thing down in Athlone where you get to meet everybody the National Enterprise Awards there's a judging session okay. um, where you will you will meet some of the other businesses involved and I mean obviously up in the, the Mansion House there's a good opportunity to talk to other people as well okay, but yeah. it's, it's like I find it really interesting just to see the range yeah. of companies from you know literally all corners of, of, of Ireland yeah. as to what they're doing and the other big one recently you, were, you, you won the National Sustainability Award sponsored by the Sunday Business Post we that did a particularly big one wasn't uh, it? that is it, it's huge to be honest yeah, yeah I mean we were delighted to get that one so that's the second year we've actually won an award in that award so last year we won best small to medium business this year was best agri-food project so that's literally any food company of any size in the country now I mean in our final category there was Diageo there was Bread 41 who were one of the biggest artisan bakeries in Dublin, uh, Mead Farm, huge potato farm up in uh, up in Mead, Dublin as well. So, like to come home with that is is fantastic. Yeah. I suppose reward for what we are doing on the sustainability side. And I'd always say to people on sustainability, like we're doing a lot. There's always more to do, yeah. and that's you know hopefully where we're heading to yeah. in, in the future. But it's Wh- great to ha- great to get it. What is the sort of the medium term plan with it, or where would you hope to be in five, ten years time with Ballycloughan Farm and Brewery? There's two things. I well, actually, there's three things we're trying to do. So we're trying to increase local sales. And to be fair, I mean, Leash has been very supportive. Um, you know, you walk into most bars in Port Leash now, you're going to find the beer on draft. I had a couple of pint, or a good few bottles of it at a wedding in Ballantubert recently. Oh, very good. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And of course, they're just up the road from yeah. us and it's a lovely venue yeah. I've just delivered the first couple of cases into Bramley's into Sam Moody's oh, yeah. new place in Abbey Leagues um, you know we're hoping to do a few with a few other places around Leash as well um, export sales like export sales are easier than trying to sell in lots of parts of Ireland because it's such a bigger marketplace to sell into like we're selling into Paris now Paris is effectively two Ireland's yeah. you know in terms of population and they do have this thing of obviously they're going to support French breweries but they're interested in breweries from other parts yeah. of the world that have an interesting story and that maybe have this bit of terroir about 
like them as well. Um, and then the tourism and events things, uh, that's really where I think we're probably going to try okay. and push the next few years. So we've only been open as a visitor centre for a year because of COVID. And people come for tours. Which people I, come for I'd tours, yeah. I've got a mini tour there one day at least, Chamber Events. That's right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But how often are the tours on? Or if, if someone wanted to do a tour, what, what we do is there are scheduled tours on the website, so okay. if you just want to come in by yourself, um, there's tours on the website, you can book a ticket, come in um, on the scheduled tour. If there's a group of people, whether that's a family group or a corporate group or whatever else, the, the thing is, it's a guided tour, fully guided tour with me, so I, I have to be there. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's why we just ask people just to email in, yeah. we'll book a time slot for them. And then most of it is coming in through tour operators, so it's North Americans, Canadian, US, um, Continental Europeans as well, because I'm, I'm doing the tour in French and German as well. Do you so speak French and German? I speak enough French and German to bluff my way through a tour. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, it's I've, I've actually just again I've had a, just an email confirmation. I've got forty French people coming in in, in September now, so I'm going right. to have to start brushing that up again. Yeah, it must be a nice thrill when like you see the bus rocking up in the yeah, air. It's great. People to be, be and you, 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 you do a bit of walk on the farm. Absolutely, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we bring them around the old farmyards yeah. usually first, and particularly the North Americans because most of those farmyards were built in something like 1775, yeah. which is declaration of independence time so for them that those farmyards are the same age as their country yes and you have them hooked straight away like you talk about 1639 and 13 generations they're hooked straight away yeah. it's a brewery tour they're probably only going to spend five minutes in the actual brewery they get a few uh, point drinks like they get a sample samples, afterwards yeah we're not allowed yeah. because of the licensing we're not allowed yeah. to serve them drinks afterwards but they'll get a few samples complimentary samples afterwards yeah. um and they say so they do the walk around the farm they see the brewery, they see that we actually do have a brewery there and how we're operated, explain to them how we make the beers and then give them a few samples afterwards and they get on the bus happy out. Yeah, yeah. Um, your, your, your yard is lovely. I've been again at a couple of events there um, and recently at Lee's Chamber. I think it was the AGM last, it was, last yep. September, was yep. it, I think? Yep. Yeah. Um, that yard, you would like, to, your vision is to have that full of different... Different yeah, I think so. I mean, that'd be the ideal would be to have different businesses in there. We've only really used, it's a four-sided yard, we've really only used one side of it. Okay. Um, so again, if you see the pictures of it, there's three sides of that yard that are yeah. still unused. Uh, we do have a big event coming in now next month, which is the South African Gathering. So we're hoping to have maybe 800 South Africans coming in yeah. for the day. The, the South African community in Ireland are having it. It is, yeah. Day. And I mean, obviously, everyone welcome to join in. You, know, yeah. you don't have to. We're not going to check passports coming <laughs> yeah. in. So everyone welcome to come in. So there'll be South African food, South African music, a bit of culture and, and, uh, and food. Um, now, we're subject to license, as, as, yeah. as they say. Yeah, so yeah. we're up next week just to try and get um, um, D, uh, DM Shelley's Grill and Delaney are being very good oh. to us in terms of hopefully extending out the license okay, to us. Very good. Would it be your vision to have a restaurant or something in it? Like you've been to the Ballymaloo's, yeah. you know, Borough Castle is another place similar enough to a lot of, you know, just thinking of certain venues. But would that be your sort of end game? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I would love to get as many people in and as many different businesses in. So again, people have said to me it'd be a great wedding venue. Now, I'd be delighted to hire the venue out for a wedding. I'm not going to run <laughs> weddings, I'm sorry, yeah, because yeah. like I have a farm, I have a brewery, I have yeah. a visitor centre to run, I have a wife and three kids that yeah. I like to see occasionally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'd love to partner with people who are going to maybe use it as a venue for different things. If there was someone who wanted to come in and have a look at it in terms of restaurants or cafes or things like that, absolutely, we'd be delighted to talk to them okay. as well. Um, I, I sort of, when I started Leash today, I remember going to interview, that was in 2017, That's right. you weren't yeah, yeah, long yeah. Up, up and going at that stage. Do you, I suppose, do you still have the same energy or enthusiasm or how has it changed over the five or six years? Yeah, it's matured a little bit, I suppose. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still want to drive the business forward. I still want to make sure that we're we're doing the right thing by the farm as much as anything else, just to keep it going. And it changes all the time. So, I mean, that was back when you were out the very first time. It was all about getting the brewery set up. Then it's since then it's been about expanding the brewery and then really the last year or so has been about getting the visitor centre working right. So that's, again... 
I think we really have something unique in terms of a visitor experience. Um, and Leash has this great accessibility. It's very easy for visitors to actually get to us. Yeah. So all of those things come together and, and, you know, we'd like to push that on as much as possible. Yeah. Your, David, your energy and your enthusiasm for what you do is really infectious. You love what you do. I, I, I do, I, yeah, I do. And I mean, again, I suppose it's the family farm and, and like anyone who's taken over a family business, you know, you want to leave your mark on it. You want to, I mean, ideally I'd like to leave in a position that if any of the kids do want to take it on, it's in a, you know, it's in a good position for them to do that. I'd like to be able to hand it on with a clear conscience. I'll put yeah. it that way so that, you know, that if they did want to You've take it on. You've done your part. I've done my part, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and... I mean, the only reason that the family's been there that long is because no one managed to make a mess of it enough <laughs> over the past 12 generations yeah. that, uh, that it's still there. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I'm hoping to do, is to, yeah. to get out in one piece <laughs> with everything still intact and yeah. see if anyone else yeah. wants it after that. Look, David, I want to continue, wish you continued best wishes. You're a breath of fresh air. It's a great brand. Thank and, you very much. Uh, I hope yeah. you drive it forward for, as you said, to the 14th generation. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, Thanks very much. David Walsh.